Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Objective Health. I am your host, Elliot, and I am joined in the virtual studio by my other co-hosts, Doug and Erica. Hello. And in today's show, we are going to be talking about a recent documentary which came out or was released a couple of weeks ago uh, by the Daily Wires platform. It was produced um, and stars a commentator, political commentator named Matt Walsh. The name of the documentary is What is a Woman? Uh, Just to give the listeners a bit of a background, Matt Walsh is, he's a funny guy. He, um, he's written several books. Uh, he is a columnist for the Daily Wire website, and he also has a very popular uh, podcast called The Matt Walsh Show. He oftentimes discusses uh, social issues, including uh, the gender type stuff that we're seeing um, more recently. Uh, and he he has a lot to say. The documentary we all recently watched it and at least my impression was that it was excellent uh it was really well made and it highlighted some very serious issues which are um going on right now what w- before we go into exactly what this documentary went through what did you guys think yeah i thought it was great um really very good at um covering the topic which is basically you know you know the the <clears throat> the title is a little bit tongue in cheek i guess uh what is a woman um because that is sort of something that's really uh on everyone's mind right now because with all the trans um issues coming up right now um that seemingly obvious question um suddenly people seem to be either hesitant to answer it or are incapable of answering it um mostly because the they want to be able to say that somebody who's a man who identifies as a woman is in fact a woman um so you know whereas you used to be able to kind of biologically just say oh a woman is someone with female reproductive organs um with an xy chromosome etc no did i get that wrong double x which one is it xy is correct xy xy I, I am a woman, so I'm telling you. <laughs> we do have a live woman here, actually, who we can actually yeah. uh, confer with today. <laughs> but uh, anyway, you know, now, um, you know, they would want to say that anybody who says that they are a woman is, in fact, a woman. So suddenly, you know, there's no longer a definition that's acceptable to the leftists who are kind of pushing this agenda. And like I say, it was previously a rather obvious um, answer to that question. In fact, I looked it up on Wikipedia, and even the Wikipedia entry is pretty obvious. You know, they haven't, um, surprisingly, haven't uh, actually gone um, totally woke mode on that. They do mention trans a couple of times, but for the most part, they're pretty pretty straightforward about what a woman is. Um, so I guess they haven't caught up yet. I'm sure we can expect many edits on that page in the near future. But anyway, all that to say, I thought it was a very, very good presentation of the of the topic. I agree. I, I like how he had a um, 
humoristic approach to it as well. Like something that would seem as common sense as you were just saying is the definition of what a woman is. And, and that kind of takes the theme and ties everything together that he does. So I thought that was super creative on his part to keep coming back to it and to have some levity to the topic. Like, um, you know, it's just kind of common sense until, I don't know, five, 10 years ago, maybe. Uh, so I, I think it's also uh, educational. Like, I think that high school students should watch something like this because I, I don't think it will happen, but I think that it brings up a lot of really good points that a lot of people don't address in this whole conversation. Like, we're just going to brush over the definition of what a woman is. <laughs> We're going to use circular logic to try and explain to the audience their point of view, and you just leave more confused. At least that's what I sensed was happening with him as well. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, in, in, indeed, right? Um, really well done. So, to give the audience just some context, essentially, the title is the question that he is essentially asking. Um, and so he is traveling around the country, around the United States, uh, interviewing a variety of different professionals in the field, whether it's medical professionals, um, psychologists or psychotherapists, um, uh, professors, professors in gender studies, in women's studies. Uh, the very basic question, what is a woman? And he's asking for a clear, concise definition. And it's really quite remarkable to see how difficult how difficult it is for so many people just to answer the simple question of what a woman is and uh like you just said erica 10 years ago this this was not even a question you know no, no one no one was asking this question because up until not long ago what was taught in high school or in infant level biology was that we have two biological sexes, two biological sexes with intrinsic, fundamental, objective physical differences. And the way that that manifests in either sex is completely different and it serves the fundamental purpose of reproduction, right? So you have your reproductive organs, you have your sex characteristics, uh, the physical attributes. I mean, we've spoken about this on, on shows previously looking at the differences between transgender athletes and, and whether they should be able to compete against women, for instance. And we know that it's a biological reality, an objective part of objective reality that we have fundamental biological differences. Um, it was not up until recently that that was challenged and that has been challenged really from on up high academics who have wormed their way into university academia, into education, into the schooling system, into the law system, into medicine, who are um, trying to portray the argument that there is no intrinsic difference or no fundamental difference between a man and a woman. And therefore, um, it, it, it really is a social construct. So they use the word, rather than referring to people's biological sex, they throw around this term called gender and gender is quite a confusing topic you would think that gender aligns perfectly with biological sex for instance it, up until recently gender was used interchangeably 
with biological sex. For instance, if you were to fill out an application for a job, it might say gender and it would have male or female. Okay, because 99.99999% of people fall into one or the other category. Well, for reasons that are really kind of beyond the scope of this show to go into into any detail, um, there have been over the past several decades uh, ideological um, infestations, if we could say that, into academia. You've got postmodernist thinkers, uh, critical gender theorists, Basically, uh, academics who come up with theories who essentially try to convince people but that gender does not match with biological sex and that gender is a social construct and therefore gender is fluid. Okay. And this means that gender really is how you feel rather than what objective characteristics you display and the body that you were born into. So an example would be, and this is what we're seeing with the advent of a lot of the transgender rights and things that are coming along now is ultimately, um, even though you may be assigned or even though you may be born into a male's body, you may still identify yourself as female. And rather than simply, um, labeling yourself as a trans transvestite or a transsexual, which is what we previously would have labeled these people or referred to these people as rather they, these, these, these individuals who feel as though they are the opposite sex now demand that they are the opposite sex. So rather than saying, I, I, I feel like I'm a woman, they say I am a woman. And that is based on the concept that, Gender is really a socially constructed idea. It's a theoretical concept. And therefore, whatever you feel like, you can, you can be. And, and this isn't really just theoretical. This is actually dripping down into uh, practically affecting like, how, how things work. I mean, we've, we've discussed previously um, the concept of allowing males into female locker rooms, female changing rooms, We've seen rapes, we've seen sexual assaults, we've seen women who have been basically edged out of sports. And so we see that this kind of concept, this idea that gender is a social contract has is, is really wormed its way into many of the um, societal institutions, which essentially make the rules and govern uh, how ordinary people have to, have to, have to do things. Um, and, and really the, the concept or running back to this this overall uh the topic of the show which is the which is the documentary what matt i feel was really trying to do and i think he he did a very well uh very good job at, at doing it is his point is that uh if if um his point is that if we if we can't def if we can define a woman if we can define what a woman actually is um then we can determine whether it is a social construct or not. And, and so it essentially goes through interviews. He's, he's, he's conversing with many of these uh, academics and, and, and kind of uh, well-known individuals in the field. And, um, and it's remarkable to see how he can't get a, a straight answer from many of them. Yeah. Um, but perhaps the most disturbing thing, and I think you guys would agree with me, is we're not just talking about people, adults, grown adults deciding that they want to present themselves a certain way. If that's what it was, and if that's all that it was, 
that would be a much more benign thing. And I don't think people would be so bothered. Uh, in fact, that's what it used to be. And people really weren't bothered when it was like that, you know, even in my, ch- my childhood, um, it was it was not really a, an important point. What is an important point and what is extremely disturbing, which is happening, is the indoctrination of our children with this ideology. So rather than children being taught uh, the basics of biology, growing up and then deciding how they want to uh, present themselves later on in life, rather what we're having is in the school system, and this has been particularly uh, you you could see this a lot throughout the Pride Month, uh, the just gone. Um, essentially, what what we've been seeing is the education system and the teachers are teaching children what is called critical gender theory or something which stems from that, and they are essentially convincing them or, or they're telling them that they can be, there is no such thing as, as biological sex or that biological sex and gender on, on two different things. And therefore these children can do, can do and be whatever they want to be. Um, and this is apart from being thoroughly confusing. Um, there's a lot else that goes into this, which is, seems to be, uh, extremely detrimental for, for, for ch- childhood development. Right. Erica, you used to be a teacher, correct? Yes. So what do you think about this? Well, having worked with the young age children that that he did talk about in this documentary, um, you know, K through six, um, we never in the schools had an issue with gender dysphoria. Yes, you had tomboys, you had you know, girls that acted boyish and boys that acted girlish, but it was never an issue as far as like having to have a therapist be involved or anything like that. And I do have two daughters and they both went through high school, public high school. And I volunteered a lot in the high school that they went to and actually worked in the biology class, teaching breathing exercise and working with the biology teachers. And again, this was never something that was a big issue. It wasn't like they had standard operating procedures about how to, um, you know, teach everyone about it. Now, I haven't really worked in the school since 2014, so I haven't seen what's going on lately, but after watching this documentary and seeing school therapists and, um, you know, the reports that they're having, it's, I cannot imagine being, having worked as a teacher, being on board with allowing a child to just decide what they want to be. And that's even beyond male and female. I mean, if you watch the documentary, you'll see like they're um, identifying as cats and a teacher can't respond in a negative way if a child is acting like a cat, you know, just something as basic as that. All of a sudden, kind of what my feeling is, is that you're giving way too much power to children to control the environment, and there's nothing positive that's going to come out of that. I mean, it's just going to start to really spiral out of control, and I see why parents are very concerned. In the U.S., you know, people are pulling their kids out of school because of this critical gender theory topics. And I see why. I mean, and that's not even if you're a fundamentalist religious person at all. That's just basic courtesy and common sense is do you want your children learning about gender identity from 
somebody that, uh, an intention that is to steer everyone in one direction, not leaving it open for critical discussion, but rather saying this, you know, a man can be a woman, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it just seems to me that it's just going to cause so much more confusion in children than it needs to. And it seems pretty nefarious. That's just my feel on it, but it's, it feels like a nefarious agenda for sure. And and so children are being taught that there's no such thing as a man or a woman or or that they can be whatever they want to be. And whether that's uh, an animal or an, an, an inanimate object. Uh, and if that's as far as it would go, I mean, that would be bad enough. But it goes even further because what we're now seeing is not only are these children acting and behaving in a way that is uh, kind of being foisted on them or they're being encouraged to, to act by their parents or by their teachers or whatever. Uh, But let's say you have a young child who all of a sudden decides that they know they, they on a whim, they might feel one day as though they, want to be a girl or do girly things or whatever. Uh, now they're being affirmed in that, that they're, they're being told that, okay, if you feel like a girl or if you want to do girly things, that must mean that you are a girl. And therefore what you're seeing is these children are being funneled into the medical system and the medical system are then encouraging this through encouraging children to have life-changing non-reversible surgeries where they have their genitals mutilated, they become permanently sterile and they are essentially being, um, they're they're put on on long-term hormone blockers and, um, and told that this is, uh, that that this is the, the right thing to do. I mean, okay. Now might be a good time, actually, Doug, to look at the first clip. So this clip is uh, a, a clip from the from the documentary where Matt is interviewing a very well-known pediatrician, a pediatrician medical doctor who you would think would abide by science looking at biological sex. Uh, we see that actually she has uh, some very disturbing views on this subject. Uh, Doug, it, yeah, if you could get that video up, that'd be excellent. My name is Michelle Forcier, um, and I have a medical degree from University of Connecticut Residency, University of Utah Pediatrics, and I've worked for a number of different Planned Parenthoods for 20 years. I do advanced contraception and abortion, as well as gender hormones, and sort of looking at the whole sort of schema of gender, sex, and and reproductive um, justice. So you've done a lot of work in this field. Could you just start by telling us? Sure. uh, At what age can a child first begin to transition into another gender or identify themselves as a gender different from how they were born? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's research and data that show that um, babies and infants um, understand differences in gender. Some children figure out their gender really early. And the reason why we are say, oh, that's, that's interesting or important is because they're figuring out their gender identity is not necessarily congruent with their sex assigned at birth. When the, when the doctor sees the penis and says, this is a male, has the sex of male, that's an arbitrary distinction? 
telling that family based on that little penis that your child is absolutely 100% male identified no matter what else occurs in their life, that's not correct. Hmm. 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 Seems correct to me. So, a medical doctor saying that if a baby has a penis, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a boy. Kind of odd, right? Gender affirming. The parents are gender affirming. I mean, what? I don't know. Circular logic there. I just... Yeah, it's kind of funny. I mean, they're 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 putting themselves across. I mean, Peterson made this this point in the the documentary, but they're they're putting themselves across as as a as a therapist. But right in the title, gender affirming therapist, it's like they're already siding. They've already drawn the lines. You know, they've said exactly what they are doing. It's like they're not they're not there to help these kids kind of figure out their confusion and that sort of thing. They are affirming the gender, like so they're already going with gender like that's that's the issue so it doesn't really sound like a therapist it sounds more like a coach like coaching these kids into into making these transitions yeah kids who are going through either perfectly normal developmental behavior right because kids naturally experiment in different ways and kids are not yet mature enough to make any long-term decisions right so so they they're kind of in an experimental phase where they're exploring, they're trying out new things, they change. I mean, if you know a kid, any child that you know, you'll see that, you know, from one day to the next, they can be completely different. You know, their interests, their, you know, what they like, what they dislike, it changes so frequently with children, right? So frequently. Um, So that's one factor to take into consideration, right? Children are children, uh, and that's the nature of being a child. But at the same time, you would think that a medical doctor is capable of diagnosing um, mental illness if it's present, right? So in the DSM, which is the Diagnostic Statistical Manual, which is how a psychologist or a psychiatrist would identify someone with a psychological illness, let's say that we're not just dealing with a normal child, you're dealing with someone who genuinely does have the medical condition, which is called gender dysphoria, then that is that's a medical condition or that's a medical psych- psychiatric condition which should you know be, be, have the aim of treating it you know it's a medical condition for a reason it's been known as a medical condition for decades someone who feels as though they are the opposite gender or the the opposite sex um that's that's an abnormality we should not be reinforcing mental illness it like it exists as to uh, to say that something's gone wrong that needs to be fixed or needs to be addressed, not reaffirmed. I mean, that's the exact opposite of what you should be doing for mental illness, right? Right. And that's even assuming that children have mental illness to begin with. If they think, if you know, if they feel as though they're part of the opposite gender, you know, in terms of we're talking about what's a s- s- social construct or societal construct. Well, this idea that you can be another gender, that's a social construct. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're forcing on children. Because that was around decades ago. You know, just when I went to school, you know, 20 years ago, that was not there. You know, there were no kids who were like identifying as this, that, or another. So this is a very recent thing. 
And the thing yeah, is, like, the nature, the nature of these things is that these these things are trendy, right? Like it's like these these things are 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 things that kind of come and go. And it seems like the fads and stuff like that are getting more dangerous, and there's more permanence to them now. I mean, previous to this, I guess you could say we had like t- tattoos and body piercing. I mean, that was already kind of you know, say what you will about tattoos and body piercings. I know everybody feels differently about those kinds of things, but it is a permanent change to your body, right? It's like these, these, you did have kids going out there and, you know, tattoos at least are permanent, right? And, you know, body piercing can, can lead to scarring and that sort of thing that would be permanent as well. Uh, but it's like, it, it still didn't cross that line, you know? I, I mean, there's a lot of people out there who have tattoos that they regret, but, you know, how many people have sex change operations that they regret? right? That, that's what we're looking at. And we're going to be looking at a lot more of it because everybody's, if you think about the kind of stuff that you were into when you were a kid, you know, I cringe to think about that kind of stuff. If I made any kind of permanent change to myself at that point in my life, I know that I would regret it right now. So the, the, this generation has, has some very hard lessons coming. You would hope that you your pediatrician your you know you've got a child who feels as though they have these issues they hear it at school they they listen to one of their peers or their idols and they talk about switching gender having gender having gender reaffirming surgery or whatever you know basically genital mutilation you would hope that going to your family doctor your family doctor would say exactly what you just said Mm -hmm. doug that children are uh, you know, they, they go through phases. We need to support them in whatever way we can. You know, we don't really want to facilitate them making any long-term decisions that they might regret. Well, I think that that leads in quite nicely to the, I, I would play clip three if you can, Doug. Okay. Give me a sec here. At what age does the medical transition begin with uh, medication? So medical affirmation begins when the patient says they're ready for it. So that could be a a kiddo who is just starting puberty and panicking because they're getting breast buds or their penis is getting bigger and busier and they're worried about all kinds of masculine changes. And that way, puberty blockers, which are completely reversible and don't have permanent effects are wonderful because we can put that pause on puberty. just like if you were listening to music, you put the pause on and we stop the blockers and puberty would go right back to where it was. The next note in the song just delayed that period of time. So this is a part from later in the film. So what she's claiming is that this is essentially a, a, an, a reversible thing, right? You can just go in there with some puberty blockers temporarily slow things down until they make a decision or you get them into surgery. Then you cut the genitals off or you, you know, mutilate them in some way and then they've made that decision. Right. But if they don't want to go that route, if they don't want to go the route of surgery, then you just take them off the puberty blockers and then they resume just as healthy as they as they as they previously would do through a normal stage of puberty. Well, that is it's a lie. There's no long-term evidence for that whatsoever. It's a lie. It's a lie. It's totally a lie. It's a hundred percent a lie. And you know, she's this woman is dangerous. You know, you can tell like this is the speech that she gives to the kid to the parents. Right. Like 
talking about, uh, oh, put a pause, just like you put pause on music, you know? It's just a pause. Like, she she's just got, her whole shtick is laid out. And it's, you know, if you were a, a parent who had some concerns, you might have a lot of those concerns kind of allayed by this person, you know? And I I think she's dangerous. Like, I think she, like... You know, I mean, I imagine she's quite representative of, of all these people who are on this side and the kind of things that they are saying to the kids, to the parents, all these sorts of things. You know, this whole idea oh, is totally reversible. You know, if your kid's just going through a phase, then we just take the pause button off and everything returns to normal. It's it's not true. There are well, definitely... and her tone, her tone shows that it's normal too. Yeah, that, that it's totally normal for kiddos. You know, even the kiddos. terminology. Yeah, like it's just kind of, it's creepy. She creeps. She gets that creepy feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I, as a parent, if that woman was talking to me like that, every single red flag would be going off in my brain, one hundred percent. Definitely. Well, it's interesting because I think what this documentary helps to do is really solidify how these people can appear to be very nice and friendly and bubbly when you're asking simple, you know, kind of light questions, let's say, which they know the answers to. But when you start digging into the nitty gritty, I feel like um, it, it was made clear that they begin to show their true colors. Uh, and this is what we see in the next clip, which I find is very interesting. She starts to turn and ultimately, it's when Matt asks the simple question once again uh, about the type of hormone blockers that they prescribe. Uh, because hormone blockers or hormone reducers or, or whatever, however you want to phrase it, it, it kind of it, it lessens the severity. I, th- I think it kind of it's kind of a soft way of describing what this actually is in objective reality. Um, let's look at what these drugs actually do. used as Lupron, right, which mm-hmm. has actually been used to chemically castrate sex offenders? You know what? I'm not sure that we should continue with this interview because it seems like it's well, going in a particular direction. Well, you're a medical professional. I am a medical professional. So you don't want to talk about the drugs that you give to kids or? Again, I'm a physician and I use medication. You're choosing exploitive words drugs i give to I'm, kids. I'm choosing a chemical word that was in a dictionary that's not a correct term for puberty blocking i, mean, I could like look process. it up on my phone but i'm pretty sure if i looked it up like, you you can look it up on your phone it says medical definition the administration of a drug to bring about a marked reduction in the body's production of androgens and especially testosterone and i'm saying as a pediatrician who takes care of hundreds of these kids when you use that terminology you were being malignant and harmful i mean there are some who would say that giving Chemical castration drugs to kids is malignant and harmful. It's about the context of caring for a child and, and seeing the, the suffering that kids can have that have not been in affirmative home situations. So that was. Ooh-wee. Okay. So they're administering drugs, which are chemical ca- castration. This, this is what they give to pedophiles, right? This is what they give to aggressive, violent sexual offenders. Right, these have long-term permanent effects. They make people infertile, right? And this is the same thing that the gender reassignment surgery also does. It makes people permanently sterile. 
you know what they're doing is they are and i'm not sure the youngest age that this is happening um i recall from one of the interviews that um one of the doctors had or one of the surgeons had performed this surgery on someone who was as young as 13 years old and that's someone who's not really even is just starting to enter puberty you know depending on whether they're male or female um so th- it begs the question and there there's a psychiatrist who's also interviewed on the on the documentary and if i remember correctly they were saying that there's no way that you can know like <laughs> any of this stuff until you've fully gone through puberty. I mean, that's when you're forming your entire sexual identity. There is zero way that a child is capable of making a decision like that without even having been through the experience to know where they'll be on the other side. And in fact, the therapists who, who are essentially against this, who, who counsel, counsel children with gender dysphoria will speak about how if it, if it, if it, if an adolescent is able to go through try, uh, go through puberty normally, so medically normal, um, no like actual medical hormonal condition present. If it's if it's purely that they go through puberty and they come out the other end, nine times out of ten, ten they will be fine, right? And they may be gay, they may be lesbian, but they're no longer feeling as though they 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 are in the wrong body and that they need to have a, lo- a permanent medical procedure done and it's a simple question i mean do we allow like why don't we allow children to drive cars why don't we allow children to drink alcohol why don't we allow children to buy prescription pharmaceutical drugs why can't they buy houses why can't they make any of these kind of decisions you know what's the kind of common denominator well generally we don't allow children to make decisions which could have potentially long-term permanent negative consequences for them because they are not competent to do so. So then why are we allowing children to make these kinds of decisions with regards to uh, mutilating their body? I mean, it is insane. It's insane. And it seems as though the left as a whole, I'm sure there's exceptions, but the ones who've really bought into the left or into what the what the far left is uh, promoting, uh, they are c- complicit. They're complicit in this. Uh, and so I think it's really tip of the iceberg what we're seeing. In fact, the next decade is we've not even seen the. How would you how would you say it? That not the backlash, but seeing the the ramifications, the ramifications, the consequences. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. I think there, and is. I don't even think those medications are approved for children under eighteen, and it's off label prescribing as well, right? Yeah, here's the thing. I mean, they uh, they've not done any long term, or there's not been any published long-term studies on the effects of hormone blockers and uh, chemical castration on children. They don't know whether it's like, this is a new thing. It's a novel thing. They, the children are guinea pigs. It's experiments. It's experiments. But and she says they're safe. Yeah. Sound familiar? <laughs> yeah, it does. I mean, the question is like, how the hell did we get to this point? Right. How, like, 
something so obvious as biological sex and gender, if you want to call it that, something so obvious as biological sex, how on earth did that become a, a point of confusion? You know, how can anyone be confused about that? And I, I don't dismiss that there are some people who are confused for various reasons, but really for the vast majority of people, and I think it probably still is the vast majority of people, but it, 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 it was a non-debatable point. Um, it's interesting in this documentary, Matt actually is speaking with a, a psychiatrist on the topic and, and she discusses the historical underpinnings of this whole movement and it turns out the, the movement has been growing um you know ever since the the kind of 1950s and 60s it's been very gradual very gradual and it's come kind of at a similar time a similar rate and it's very very similar from a, like an ideological perspective to say critical race theory which we've spoken about previously um and it's based on on the concept that or the, the people who were pushing these theories um, were very much influenced by postmodernist ideas that, first of all, there is no objective reality or, or in, in, the way that these people perceive things is that their feelings, how, how they subjectively feel, how they subjectively think about things uh, is equivalent to the objective reality. In fact, objective reality is is kind of a, not really a, a thing a reality or there is no truth truth is a subjective thing and it differs from person to person and in fact you you see this when you matt in the in the in the in the documentary he he is uh he's interview, interviewed lots of random strangers on the street and he's asking these simple questions and and many people have, have also been infected by this in in thinking that oh well if it's your truth then then it must be true, you know, or if you feel it, then, then it must be true. In, in other words, you create your own reality, right. Through your feelings, through, you know, there's, there's no, there's nothing objective. There's no objective fabric, which holds that together. And that's what a lot of the, the philosophers and, and the, the social scientists and things actually believed or claim to believe anyway. And this is a lot of the influence, or at least uh, the, the people who were pushing this gender nonsense uh, were heavily influenced by these thinkers. Uh, there were, the, the, the documentary talks about two doctors who, or two scientists who also were heavily involved in kind of promoting the, um, the, the advent of these kind of theories. One was, uh, his name was Alfred Kinsey, uh, our listeners may be familiar with Kinsey. He was uh, renowned for his work on sexology. In fact, he's been dubbed as the father of the sexual revolution that occurred in the 60s, uh, moving away from this, uh, these more conservative uh, uh, conceptions of sex, conservative values when it comes to uh, how much information you give with others, uh, you know, you're kind of who you have sex with, et cetera. Um, and, and so what was going on in the 60s is we saw much more liberal approach to sex and intimate relations, uh, promiscuity, um, outside of, of, of uh, monogamous, monogamous relationships. Uh, this, this, this scientist was, was known for some, many of the experiments that he did, which were frankly perverse. Um, and he wrote several books on the topic of, 
the nature of of the individual's kind of um or the nature of um the sexual drive for man or the nature of the sexual drive for women and and whatnot. And, and he promoted this idea that humans were inherently bisexual. They were born bisexual and that actually it was societal constrictions or basically the, the uh, religious indoctrination, et cetera, which made human beings be uh, heterosexual heterosexual at the same time we're naturally polygamous uh it's, it's very normal and healthy to have relationships with multiple sexual partners all at once and in fact it's very oppressive for society to tell you that you must be with one person right at the same time pedophilia was perfectly acceptable sodomy was perfectly acceptable all of these things were naturally healthy there was another uh doctor uh, his name was um, Dr. Joseph Money, I think it is, or Andrew Money. I think it was Joseph M- Money. Uh, similarly perverse. He also believed that paedophilia was perfectly healthy. Uh, incest was a natural sexual proclivity. And he went so far as to say that children, um, even babies, could uh, were, were, were naturally sexual beings, that babies could uh, partake in orgasm quite, quite easily and frequently, and, and that it was a it was a natural thing for the parent or for the sibling to help the baby experience orgasms, right? These, these people were thoroughly sick in the head. And, um, and ultimately, I think what it seems like is that what they were trying to do was normalize things. They were trying to make it so that um, they could, they, they, their, their kind of proclivities or inclinations would be accepted by society. So, I mean, again, it's a very, vast topic that is there's more more content for what we can cover in this show but essentially you had very unhealthy mentally ill individuals sick psychopathic individuals who came up with these theories and they eventually worked their way into academia and what we're seeing is that only several decades later have they have they have they actually been placed into conventional education into conventional medicine into into the conventional legal system and all of the other societal institutions, and they're now making their way into our kids' brains. Um, so it's it's uh, it's it's very disturbing how this is actually played out. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, did you? Should we maybe cut it there? We've gone pretty long at this point. Did you? Was there another clip you wanted to play, Elliot? I I, I think we could probably call it a day. Uh, yeah, I th- I think the documentary is excellent. Mm-hmm. I would recommend it to everyone. They can access it on the Daily Wire. Uh, you can go on the website whatisawoman.com and uh, I would definitely recommend recommend purchasing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really gives you a, a a an insight into what is going on in the educational system, what's going on in the conventional medical system. And the, the state-sponsored child abuse that is happening on mass at the moment. And if you, you don't have a child or you're not involved in the educational system, or you don't, you know, you're not you're not around, then it can be quite hard to believe. It was for many of us that this is actually happening. Um yeah, that's all I I would personally say about that. Has anyone else got anything to add? I concur. I think it's uh, definitely worth watching. Um, definitely showing it to other people too, because I think that a lot, a lot of people out there don't really have a good picture of what's actually 
going on. You know, um, I think that people generally want to be agreeable to a certain extent, or they want to kind of uh, help marginalized groups and they're kind of being fed a line about this stuff. And they kind of like, just will adopt, you know, trans rights ideas, or if a child wants to transition, he should be able to transition, she should be able to transition. And they're not really thinking about the consequences. So I think that this, this, this documentary really does lay it out quite well. Again, it shows how if, if people who transition, who go through this permanent life-changing um, surgery have among the highest rate of suicide in the seven years after, after they have the surgery. So anyone, just, just something to end, end this on, is that the, the, one of the ideas that pushes this abuse is, is that um, trans, transgender children or children who are misgendered, who are in the wrong body, who, who require surgery, well, well, actually, if you don't give them surgery, then they will die. You know, they will die because people who are trans uh, have a much higher suicide rate. So the chances are that they will likely commit suicide if you're not affirming and we don't, um, you know, we, we don't transition your child. Well, it turns out that the majority of, of evidence actually shows that most of the suicides come after the surgeries. And what does that tell you? That tells you that not only do people oftentimes regret it, which there are numerous resources for people who are transgender or who have had these kinds of surgeries who want to re-transition. There's communities of thousands of people online who discuss this, who've lived this, and it's not an uncommon thing for people to feel like they've made a real mistake. But at the same time, the people who have these gender dysphoria conditions, oftentimes they have underlying psychiatric mental health issues aside from the gender ideology stuff aside from the, the feeling as though they're living in a different body oftentimes they, they they've also got a concurrent diagnosis of autism or aspergis or some other uh, condition which uh, you know for, makes it difficult for them to either socialize or relate to other people or maybe they have difficulties at home with their parents you know with with their with their their, their childhood in general i mean there's so many potential issues that can uh, that can lead to this, that we are basically coming in with a knife and cutting these kids up. And, and they're, they're the ones who are going to have to deal with the long-term consequences of that. And it's, um, it's, it's frankly tragic. And it's insane that anyone is even accepting this. Uh, so, yeah. Well, and I What's... agree with you both in the very beginning. It's one thing when you're dealing with adults, consenting adults, adults that have gone through puberty, that have maturity level to understand choices that they're making but to be foisting this on children and having people that are advocates for children whether that be teachers or counselors or psychologists or psychiatrists pushing such an agenda and if you watch the documentary you will see that even in court cases like the one in Canada where parents are battling the schools and the state they always decide in favor of transitioning the child, that should be very concerning to any parent or adult. It'd be one thing if there was cases and, you know, 50-50, but to always affirm that and the amount of money that the pharmaceutical companies make as a result of doing that stinks to high heaven to me as a parent. It, it again, seems very nefarious. It seems 
evil. It also seems like it's more of the state coming in to kind of co-opt your children and take you as the parent out of the decision-making process altogether. So, um, you know, again, as you were saying, like there's maybe people here that don't have children that don't work in with children, but you can just see the way that this is going and it's not going to be like this bright and you know unicorn future of all these kids that get to decide their identity it's going to be a lot of really damaged children that are going to need serious professional help to um, turn themselves around if they do at all so you know it's like the hippocratic oath do no, first do no harm Children make believe, let them dress up, let them wear girls clothes, whatever, but you don't need to go and medically alter somebody who's not the age of consent, really, you know, depending on what the age of consent is in your country, yeah. but you know it's what I'm saying? It's a heinous crime. It's right. a heinous crime. And it doesn't seem to be going away. It seems to be getting more more uh, everywhere you can't get away from it if you watch streaming tv if you read magazines or media it is everywhere and i think there's a reason for that i'm not sure what it is but it's everywhere yeah um and and just to add to what you said aside from the political uh, sorry aside from the financial incentive which is very large apparently per child or per individual who makes the full transition if you factor in drugs if you factor in the um, the cost of the surgery, the long-term maintenance of the condition, et cetera, uh, up to $1.3 million per person for the pharmaceutical companies, whether it's, you know, the drug companies in combination. So not only do you have that big pharma capitalizing on a bunch of children who are simply suffering from mental illness, but what you also have is, um, is this socio kind of political environment which makes it so impossible for anyone to speak out. And in fact, you've you got many uh, individuals in that documentary who, who say that they had to leave their job because they could no longer either teach this to children because they felt as though they were doing a disservice. But at the same time, you, you've got uh, doctors, you've got medical professionals, you've got other professionals who don't feel as though they can speak out because they know that if they do, they will be stigmatized. They'll be labeled transphobic. Uh, homophobic, you know, whatever it is, racist, uh, bigoted. I mean, you, any of the buzzwords, they lose their jobs, right? So even if they can see how crazy it is, they can't speak out against it because this massive monster has basically infected every one of the large kind of institutions. It's 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 remarkable how it's how it's come about so quick. Um, yeah. I could talk for many hours on this subject, so I think we should probably cut it off. Um, but uh, anything you want to add, Doug? No, I'm, I think we covered it pretty well. Okay, right, guys. Yeah, get yourself that documentary, watch it, and then share it with as many friends and family as possible. I think it's it's one of the best things I've watched all year, and it's already half the year, so that's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> for uh, listeners, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we do appreciate it. If you like this video, found it helpful, please like and subscribe, share it. And uh, otherwise, we will see you next week for another episode. Bye, everybody. Yay, against all.